Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so <laughs> you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever. What's going on, everybody? Welcome. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> it is the Saturday morning stochastic NHL strategy show sponsored by BetMGM. I am your host, Josh Harris, who inexplicably stayed up <laughs> to watch the Ducks Sharks game. That ended like 48 minutes ago. Uh, joining me as always is Sun Cliffy. How are you doing today? Uh, doing pretty good. I think I'm a little bit more rested than you. Um, I was telling you before the show, um, Anaheim, or not Anaheim, Winnipeg, uh, Tampa ended. Um, a little gap where I could watch 10 minutes of the Arizona-Chicago game. And I watched about three minutes of that game and immediately shut it off. And I was like, oh, I'm done for hockey for the night. I'm not watching this. I'm not watching San Jose-Anaheim. Uh, kudos to you for staying up for that. Um, you had a decent night last night, though, um, Mason McTavish. I, I got to say that Mason McTavish ruined your night, but that he was also your hat trick, I think, is kind of poetic in a sense. I'm sure, I'm sure you'd rather him not have scored there at the end of the game, but anybody that did follow your hat trick picks, they use him as a one-off, probably did uh, pretty well last night. Yeah, uh, I was debating with myself. I was like, what do I like more, poetry or money? I settled on money. No, but um, uh, I had him in my lineup, and then I kind of had a cliffy experience with my one lineup last night. I made a few swaps. I ended up making a 3-2-1 with uncorrelated defensemen, which apparently really confused Niehaus. But when you are down to the nitty-gritty for your defensemen, you don't need to correlate them, especially when you're punting. You just go for the, the guys who have a shot at the – Block bonus, I use Fairberry and uh, Carrier. They both had, I think they had 14 shots blocked combined. Then I had full Winnipeg one. Pierre Lock Dubois kind of got there. Connor had two points. Nikolai Ehlers had three shots on goal. Then I uh, had Timo and Hurdle. Timo had two goals on 10 shots. And then I had a one off Barrett Hayden. For, but for 2,700, two shots on goal is fine. I was winning the 150, the 40, the 12, the 5, and the 4. And then Mason McTavish scored to tie the game, and there was an offsides challenge, and he was clearly offsides. Some people were saying maybe um, Henry tagged up. And Toronto was just like, yeah, there's no evidence of him being offsides. And they, they overturned it. It doesn't – like, here's the thing. Like, I, it's DFS. It happens. My gripe is there is nothing worse than an offsides challenge no matter what side you're on, especially at, like, especially 
like uh, offsides challenge where teams are in the zone for like 38 seconds and then score and they go back and see like, oh, you know, his toe drag was like a centimeter short. You know what I mean? It is what it is. Still a good night. One seven X. If I knew that was going to happen, I would have went to bed a little bit earlier, but here we are. I'm excited for this seven game slate. We have some good games. We have Colorado Edmonton. That should be a doozy. So I see someone in the chat says I jumped you on the OT goal for a 300 Q ticket. If it makes me, if it makes you feel any better, I had Sharks money line. Again, money poetry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, got to got to find that balance. Um, not easy to do. No, but like it's fine because I'm a big Mason McTavish guy. I like seeing him on the top line. I like seeing him do well. He has 25 points on the season now. He turns 20 next week or something like that. So good for him. Um, yeah, I see Jake who was busy this morning. He has totals and projections up in the lineup builder. Thank you, Jake. Our, our boo-boo head is at work early in the morning and he's at central time. So it's 8 a.m. So let's get into the slate. But before we do, you know, the drill, especially you bacon, you know, the drill too. Give us a like and subscribe so you can keep up with all of our shows, DFS offers, giveaways, and much more. Once you subscribe, hit that notification button to get alerts when our shows go live. Got to give them a bone or something. Don't forget to sign up for the Stochastic Hall of Fame by changing your avatar on DraftKings and FanDuel, which is easy. Download the avatar from stochastic.com backslash avatar. Then you got to place in the top three of a contest with over 5K contestants. That's the hard part. But if you do, congratulations to you. Also, you can tweet your wins to at Stochastic H-O-F account if you have Twitter or email us with your screenshot, and that will get you one free month of Stochastic Plus Platinum. You also get a shout-out on our weekly Hall of Fame segment, which is nice. Once again, thank you to BetMDM for sponsoring this show. And let's hop into this slate. Minnesota Wild with a 3.3 total. Heading into Buffalo, the Sabres have a 3.2. Marc-Andre Fleury, Uka Pekalukkanen are probable. Once again, these are just the goalies who are in the lineup of right now. Obviously, not no morning skates yet. Um, so just keep that in mind. You'll see goalie confirms throughout the day anyway. Um, Matt Zuccarello is out tonight. Matt Boldy is going to jump up to the top line of Sam Steele and Kirill Kaprizov. It's good, good for Baldy. Also, probably good for Buffalo One. Um, they are fully correlated as always. They are still very expensive. They are twenty-two and change on DraftKings. Minnesota has been a very good defensive team uh, over the past four or five weeks. That being said, what can you say really about Buffalo? There are. Like, Tage Thompson is just an elite player now, which is nice to see. I don't know if they're fully matchup-proof yet, but they are going to avoid the the uh, Eric's neckline, so I do have some interest in Buffalo 1 here. Yeah, I, I mean, there's no doubt that going up against Minnesota is a tough matchup, but we just saw um, Buffalo go into Washington, and Tage Thompson put up a hat-trick with four points. Um in Washington, you know, we've talked about it a, a couple times on the last few shows that Washington 
has been a much better team basically since Halloween and one of the top teams in the league and pretty good defensively. I'm certainly on the penalty kill for most of it. Um, and the Buffalo top line still shredded them. Um, so I, I think we're kind of getting to the point, like I know Florida's top line didn't get there last night, but I think we're getting to the point where, you know, as long as these guys are together on a line and on the power play, they're in play on every single slate, um, no matter the matchup. Um, so that Buffalo top line still been playing exceptionally well. I was looking at their numbers since December. Um, 3.3 expected goals for seven actual goals. Like they're shooting 16%, which is obviously high. But if you cut that in half, your shot volume is still so high that if they only shoot 8%, they're still scoring three and a half goals, which is still a really, really high um, offensive scoring rate of five on five. So they're just creating so much that they could, you know, um, kind of weather shooting percentage dips as the season goes on. Um, so I, you know, I really do like that Buffalo top line. Um, obviously we don't have our top stacks tools and all that up yet. I don't imagine there's going to be that much ownership, certainly not for a seven game slate on that Buffalo top line here tonight. And the interesting thing is, you know, Boldy and Kaprizov really haven't played a lot together um, over the last couple of years. It's, you know, it's typically been Kaprizov and Zuccarello on the top line. Um, but Boldy and Cap in a limited sample, I think talking again isn't a lot like that's maybe you know eight games worth nine games worth of ice time um well below water um by expected goals share under 44 percent two and a half expected goals against 2.8 actual goals against like Zuccarello and Kaprizov are just you know a, a pairing that just plays so well together that it's kind it's kind of hard to just plug and play another winger there in with Zuccarello or in with Kaprizov sorry so I don't think it's necessarily a tough matchup against Minnesota one and the Minnesota top line since the start of December, you know, well below average by expected goals against it was their depth lines that had been playing extremely well defensively. So I don't, I, I think there's a good case for going with the Buffalo top line here tonight in basically any format. Um, I know, um, you know, they are expensive, um, off the top of my head, they're I think they're like 22-4. Um, just trying to do some quick mental math looking at our lineup builders, and that is expensive, but it's not super prohibitive, right? Like this isn't Boston one coming in at 24-8 on the road or something like that, right? Um, so I think there's definitely some merit. Like our lineup uh builder has them coming in at over 41 points on DraftKings tonight. And other than Toronto and Colorado and Boston, it's the highest. Um, number on the slate and those are Colorado, Toronto and Boston. You know what I mean? So obviously there should be some ownership here. I don't think there'll be a lot. I don't think the matchup is necessarily that bad. And like Minnesota's penalty kill is fine, but it's not super elite or anything, right? Like this isn't Boston or Carolina or something like that. Um, and you know, the Sabres are drawing a ton of power plays. Um, they're now, you know, second in the league in power plays drawn per game, just a shade behind, um Ottawa actually we'll talk about Ottawa in a bit um I do think it's a good spot for Buffalo is especially with the way that they've been running their lines of late the Buffalo top power play forwards so the top line plus Dylan Cousins like the top line around 19 20 minutes Cousins around 16 17 every other forward is basically between 12 and a half and 14 and a half minutes over their last I think it's four games basically going back to Christmas they're just spreading the ice time around if, among the depth and 
I'm hoping that the top line gets there. And I think that's another case for playing Buffalo one here tonight. If you're going to go and play the depth, I honestly don't know where you go at this point because, you know, Quinn Cousins and Paterka have been playing well. And like I said, Cousins still getting reasonable ice time because he gets those power play one minutes. Um, but Paterka and Quinn haven't been playing that much lately. Um, they have some games, you know, around the 11, 12 minute mark. Um, you know, Quinn only has 16 shots in his last uh, 11 games, going back to his last goal scored. Um, he hasn't been taking a, a ton of shots either. So um, I'm not sure exactly where you would go in the Minis in the Buffalo depth. And I don't think you'd necessarily want to go up against the Minnesota depth either, right? Like, I don't want to go up against the Erickson Eck line. I don't want to go up against Hartman and Gojo. You know what I mean? Like, those just seem like much worse matchups for the Buffalo depth than they would be Buffalo one going up against Minnesota one. So it's Buffalo one that I really uh, do like here. The Minnesota top line is kind of interesting because I do um, I don't think that there's going to be a, a ton of ownership there with Matt Zuccarello out of the lineup. Um, now, obviously, Kirill Kaprizov is good enough to pretty much carry any line um, offensively by himself. But it is worth noting that, you know, in a pretty sizable sample without Zuccarello over the last couple seasons, the expected goals generated. Um, goes down by about 10%. You know, it's not massive, but I do think it is notable and a commensurate drop um, in shot attempts generated as well. So, I, you know, I think Minnesota 1 is fine. Um, I'm kind of wondering who would jump up to the top power play unit for Minnesota because it's the Buffalo penalty kill that's not very good, right? Like, you kind of want to take advantage of that. Um, so you have Erickson Eck, you have Kaprizov, you have Boldy. Wondering who the fourth guy might be. Is it going to be Ryan Hartman? Um, you know, is it going to be Sam Steele? Because if it's Steele, then the top line is perfectly correlated on the power play. Um, I'm just wondering how they navigate that. I, I don't think we're going to get any, any you know, news on who takes Zuccarello's power play spot until, um, you know, the game actually starts. And by then, obviously, it's too late. So we're just guessing. Um, I would guess... Um, that they're going to put in um, Ryan Hartman because they need somebody to fill Hartman's uh, uh, Zuccarello's spot. They don't need another center like Steele or something like that. So I would guess Hartman. Um, we just don't really know. It's the Buffalo top line that I do like in this game. I do think there's some merit to going to the depth Minnesota lines because I don't think the Buffalo depth is particularly playing that well right now. Um, or certainly not over the last you know few weeks or whatever. So you know, I do think there's, you know, if if we get some news, Hartman's on the top power play, you know, like a Hartman go drove two men or something like that, I, I think that would be fine. But I think this game's really all about the Buffalo top line. Yeah. And, like, I really like Boldy as a player. So moving to the top line, I like. But he's a different player than Zuccarello. Is. And I don't know, yeah, for whatever reason. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, like, Boldy's, like, more of, like, a shooter type. He's not... Uh, a distributing playmaker like Zuccarello. like Zuccarello can't score. Obviously, he's shown that this year. But I think Zuccarello, is, you know, at this point of their careers, has much more playmaking skills than Boldy does. Yeah, Zuccarello plays with like he's like a hobbit, but he plays with like a forty-eight foot like stick. I can't even remember the name of the whatever. But like, I don't know. Like, can it work? Yeah, it can. Steel's going to have to you know distribute more. With Zuccarello out, um, 
So, yeah, I, I do kind of like that Minnesota one line, especially if they're coming in low ownership, just because you're going to get the two guys on the top power play. I agree with you. I think it's going to be Hartman uh, on the top power play unit instead of Zuccarello. Um, but Boldy, Capper's off two men. If you want to leave off steel, it's fine. Like, especially if they're lower owned, I have a lot of interest in that two man because it is like the Buffalo Sabres we're talking about here. It's not, you know, the Bruins they're not good defensively, so they don't have a very good penalty kill. Their goalies are either 112 years old or minor leaguers. So, yeah, I like Minnesota here. And then Buffalo won. If they get any decent ownership, I'm in on. Has there ever been, like, I actually, my Saturday morning, just random thoughts of the day, I think Buffalo won the Eichel trade. I think it allowed... Tage Thompson to develop into the player he is. Like, yeah. remember, remember a few years ago when we we're like, "Sweet, we got Tage Thompson on Eichel's wing for min price." He shoots the puck. The dude is a the dude like grew into his body because he's like nineteen foot seven foot seven. You know what I mean? So like, now he has Alex Tuck on his wing, who is an exceptional player, and you know Jeff Skinner now on his other wing, who is for whatever reason, like on the Don Granado team, like on the fourth line for half the season. I, I, I just to kind of build off that a bit, I, I'm thinking back to the Ryan O'Reilly trade when he went to St. Louis at the time. And for basically a couple of years after that looked like a landslide win for St. Louis. Right. Cause um, like the piece, like Vladimir Sabaka um, didn't do anything and he was out of the NHL in two years. Patrick Berglund just straight up said, I'm not playing in Buffalo and retired, I think. <laughs> like, My man. He gave up tens <laughs> of millions of dollars to not go play in Buffalo. So, um, and, you know, and then they had a couple draft picks and then Thompson. Um, and it was Thompson breaking out that kind of saved the value of that trade, which is weird to think about. Like the trade ended up working pretty well for both teams, whereas for the first couple of years, it looked like just an absolute home run for St. Louis. I think it's the way, uh, way prospect development goes sometimes. Yeah. And we just crap on the Buffalo organization for the past like five years and warranted. They, they didn't even try to compete a few of those years, but like they've actually started to turn into a team, which is, which is nice. They still, you know, have issues on the blue line, but it is what it is. Uh, Really do like Buffalo one tonight. Let's move on to the next one. Detroit Red Wings with a 2.4 total heading into Toronto. The Maple Leafs have a four total. Here we are with the Maple Leafs and the four total. Come for the Leafs four total. Stay for the shutout. It's kind of what happens with the I like it's so funny because you were telling me the other day, like they're on pace for their best season in a while. I just feel like they're not even in the playoff spot because every time I play the Leafs, they screw me and I get mad and then I trash them. But I guess they're having a pretty good season. Um, this is a really good matchup for the Leafs because Detroit's back to back on the road. Um, they lost last night to Florida. Magnus Helberg probable, Ilya Samsonov as well probable. Who knows if the Wings are going to retain their lines? They're back to back. They won't skate. They have a small total anyway. Don't have too much interest in the Wings tonight. This is a Leafs game. This is a Leafs top line game. <sighs> like I, I feel like they're gonna be 
for the top lines, they're going to get a lion share of the ownership, making Buffalo one much lower owned, but for good reason. Leafs have a massive total. This is an unbelievable spot. What do you do with the Leafs? It's a very good question, Josh. I'm glad you asked. That's why, uh, that's why I get the big bucks. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I think the first thing to mention is uh, Toronto's um, embarrassing home loss to Seattle. Uh, Callie Yarncroft was moved off the second line in the third period. Um, they didn't practice yesterday, not that I saw. Um so we'll see what what morning skate looks like for the Leafs. They moved. They had Matthews there for a couple shifts. Obviously, I don't think Matthews, Martin, Tavares is going to stay together for an entire game. But then they moved Pontus Holmberg there um, for the final few shifts of the game. Don't know who's going to play with Yard with Tavares and Marner. And as we mentioned on the last show, like Yardcrock is doing really good work on that line, um, helping them defensively. But I was looking at their offensive numbers, and they're even worse. Like, Yaron Kroc played a couple of games there earlier in the year, which is part of the sample. I went and cut those out and just looked at the last four weeks. The last four weeks together, Yaron Kroc, Marner, Tavares, 1.7 expected goals for per 60 minutes, one actual goal per 60 minutes of five on five. Like, they're just not generating anything. Um, that's, you know, that probably can change pretty quickly with a new winger there. Uh, you know, it depends who they put there. Um, you know, I'd like to see Pierre Engvall there, but I don't think that they're going to do that. Um, you know, somebody like Dryden Hunt, certainly capable of moving up there if they want Pontus Holmberg, if they want to leave them there. They're they're having a problem filling the role, uh, filling that hole left behind by Ilya Mikheyev, especially with Nick Robertson hurt. So um, we'll see what Toronto 2 does because it could be a, pretty good matchup going into that Detroit second line. Like as we often say, Cop and Raymond typically have pretty bad um, defensive numbers together this season, whenever they played together. Now they added Jonathan Bergeron to that Detroit second line, and he's actually been pretty good um, for Detroit this year, a small sample. Like he's typically played at the bottom of the lineup, but um, I think he's uh, second on the team and expected offensive um, impact. Um, behind only Dylan Larkin or David Perron, one or the other. So he could kind of help that second line offensively. I don't think he's going to help them defensively. So it could be a pretty good matchup for Toronto too. It just depends who the winger is going to be. Obviously the Toronto top line is the main event here. Like I know they've kind of let people down, but their last four weeks, they're still four and a half expected goals for 5.1 actual goals for shooting under 12%. So a shoot normal shooting percentage, like, um, they just they have bad games against bad teams. That's just been the calling card of the Toronto Maple Leafs for years now. Um, one thing I did notice, not shooting as much since the Christmas break. Um, Nylander, 18 shots in his last five games, which is good, but not what he was doing earlier in the year. Matthew's only 16 shots in his last five games. Um, I got to think it's just kind of a little bit of a lull for those guys. I did find it funny that it coincides with Morgan Riley's return. Uh, nice little uh, coincidental um uh, appearance by him in the lineup and then all of a sudden starting to suck um but it is a very good matchup for Toronto one especially because of the Detroit penalty kill like the Detroit penalty kill has been absolutely awful basically going all the way back um to Thanksgiving so we're talking nearly 20 games at this point like Detroit the Detroit penalty kill has basically been um like Montreal like Seattle-esque worse than Montreal you know what I mean like 
it's a really, really good spot for the Toronto power play. So I do like the Toronto top line. If you want to mix in a Tavares or a Marner or something like that, I think it's more than fine. But I like Toronto, especially for the power play spot um, here tonight against Detroit. Um, and obviously with no, likely with no Billy Huso in net. As far as Toronto too, we'll have to see who they decide to put out um, with Tavares and Marner at morning skate. But I would have at least interest in them in making some sort of Toronto power play stack, which I think is fine on a seven-game slate. On the Detroit side, I think it's worth noting Robbie Fabry jumped up to the top power play unit yesterday um, for Detroit. Um, And it wasn't a case, and he was there over Michael Rasmussen. It wasn't a case of like Rasmussen being in the penalty box or just having a shift or something like that. Like they just straight up put Fabry, I think after the first two power plays, they put him on for their last two power plays of the game. So, you you might have like Fabry. Um, I mean, we'll see. Uh, we'll see at warmups with what Detroit decides to go with. Um, you know, Fabry was playing with Kubalik and Valeno um, yesterday. I do think pairing him with Kubalik in a depth role could be conducive to good offense. Toronto's penalty kill hasn't been very good um, for uh, you know basically the same stretch that I just talked about with Detroit. You know, certainly not awful um, by any stretch. Um, but closer towards the middle of the league by shots against and, and, and goals against, like um, basically in line with like Florida. So I do think there's some merit to at least, you know, looking at the power play guys like Larkin, like Perron. Um, maybe if you want to dig all the way down to a Robbie Fabry, I think Fabry makes a nice one-off at his price here tonight. So it would be the Detroit power play guys, if anything, but I don't have a, I don't really have a ton of interest here. Um, it might be just Fabry one-off. Again, I think this is about the home team top line and Toronto one. Yeah, if you do want to get away from the Detroit top line and go to the depth guys, which not sure why. You, like, I, I don't think I would in one to three, 2.4 total back-to-back on the road. But we, we've talked about on previous shows how we kind of like Dominic Kubalik is one-off. His price is just too expensive. Luke, or uh, Robbie Fabry, 3,400. He'd probably be the only guy I would pluck out of the bottom six here. I guess, like, I don't know if it's bottom six. Like, I guess you call the second line the the cop Raymond line, even though they've been atrocious. Like, we'll have to see if Fabry's with Sunquist and Suter. That's a really cheap filler line. That actually might not be the worst if you're trying to jam in, like, Edmonton or Colorado power play. You know what I mean? Taking two of those guys, like, Pia Suter, Robbie Fabry. Like, if, if you're jamming in expensive power play guys, it's going to be ugly who you're putting them in there with. So, like, I honestly don't mind Suter Fabry there if you need the salary savings. And I, I agree with your take there that uh, I would love to see Pierre Engvall on the second line of Tavares Marner. I just think they want him in the bottom six role for now. I mean, to be fair, Toronto does have a really good third line. Like, that Kerfoot, um, Camp, um, Engvall line is really, really good. Um, particularly defensively. And I think that's something that, yeah, I agree with you. The team likes kind of having that little bit of a safety net in that line. Yeah. And I'm happy that that line is doing well. So that means Kerfoot probably won't move up anytime soon. We'll knock on some wood for that. I swear to God, we're about an hour away from Kerfoot being on the second line at morning skate. Yeah. I'm going to like, after the show, I'm going to go like cook breakfast or something. And I'm going to come back to like 87 Twitter notifications saying Kerfoot's on the second line and they, everyone hates their lives. But that's, you know, that's the way it goes. Let's move on to the next one. St. Louis Blues with a 3.5 total. Heading into Montreal, the Canadians have a three total. Bennington's probable. 
Jakob Allen, Jake Allen is confirmed. We'll have to see what the Montreal lines look like. Uh, I would assume Doc Suzuki Caulfield will be together. The depth, like we have to see the depth lines for Montreal because it's kind of important here because the, the Blues lineup is bad. Like I, I I was trying to think of a fun SAT adjective and I can't. I'm just going to go with bad. So, you know, if Hoffman's back in the lineup, if Gallagher's back in the lineup, there could be some interesting one-offs there. Uh, if the second line is like Josh Anderson, Slavkovsky, Dvorak, don't mind like a Dvorak, Anderson, two-man, I think Montreal top line's in play. Uh, but my I, my favorite line in this game is going back to the Blues top line here, Thomas Buchnevich, Kairou. I don't think they're going to be sneaky anymore. I think the other night where you had them and you had that big night was to was the night to beat the trend with them and you beat the trend with them. So that's nice. Um, I think the secret's out. This is a very good power play spot. They're fully correlated. They're not overly expensive. I would venture a guess that they might be the chalkiest line of the night. That's, I mean, I mean, they could be, they are about 18 K though, is the thing is, is what might keep it from being the, chalkiest line but um like they very well could be because you know a lot of the top lines tonight are on the road right like boston one colorado one um all on the road minnesota one obviously not the same without zuccarello but still um you do have buffalo um and san jose one at home um we'll get to the sharks a little bit later um but this the thing that's I want to note about the St. Louis top line is like, yes, very good offensively. They're scoring 4.2 goals per 60 minutes together this year. Buchnevich over 20 minutes in the two games without O'Reilly and Tarasenko. Um, one thing I did catch in that St. Louis game um, against New Jersey the other night is that Kairou wasn't on for like the last four minutes of the game. He didn't get any ice time with the empty net. Um, not even like super late. I think after they scored the empty net goal, he didn't get on the ice or anything like that. Like, um, it seems like he might be, I mean, this might be a bad example, but like Cole Perfidi from Winnipeg, you know what I mean? Like Kyrou will play more in general during the game, but he will not, not be on the ice if it's a four, three game with the yeah, they, they, they want Shen on the ice for whatever reason. Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to healthy connections, Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. Seeing is believing, and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the Neural Quantum Processor. Because this is an audio ad. Unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung, more wow than ever. Like, I, I don't understand their obsession with Braden Shen. I mean, they love their veterans, yeah. but, you know, that's just one... It's not a reason why I wouldn't play Kairou, but, you know, when you're paying up um, 7500 for a, a, a winger, you you know, it's a guy that you hope would be on the ice towards the end of the game. Like, if you're paying the same price as, like, a Brady Kachuk or Miko Rantanen, or, you know, he's a little bit cheaper than them, but you want him on the ice at the end of the game, and he's not. Um, 
but they are very good offensively. They're going to get some, some of that Montreal one line. Montreal one has actually been good defensively um, over the last like six weeks, going back to December 1st, um, 2.6 expected goals against 2.8 um, expected goals for, for 60 minutes. It's the goaltending behind them. That's been kind of bad. And it's been, it's kind of inverted itself earlier in the season, Montreal's defensive metrics. Some of them were awful and the goaltending was saving them. Now, some of the defensive metrics for some of the lines are getting better. Um, but the goaltending starting to kind of let them down. They just can't get everything in sync, which actually works out um, for their chances to get into the draft lottery and maybe get Connor retired. But Montreal one has been playing well. What bothers me is Nick Suzuki. I mean, we talked about how little he was shooting last game. I was looking at an even bigger sample, 28 shots in his last 20 games. That's under a shot and a half per game. That's seriously Alex Wenberg territory, um, to mention his name again. Uh, it makes it tough to stack the lines, right? Because you want to get, you know, like the take Buffalo one, for example, like even if Alex Tuck only has a couple of assists, maybe he gets a shot bonus or something like that, right? It's something that he can do. doesn't seem like Suzuki can really do that. Uh, certainly not with the way Montreal is playing. It makes it tough to like three men stack that line, but it is a pretty good matchup going up against the St. Louis top line. I don't mind Montreal one here. I wonder if they come in a little bit over owned because it is a three total. They are going to carry some ownership. Um, they're not super expensive. Um, I'm just looking at, at our lineup builder uh, right now. I think it's 15, five for the three of them. Like that's pretty cheap. Um, I do like Montreal one. It is a really good match for St. Louis one. You're right. I do think they come in high owned. I'm not sure about the highest on the slate, but I do think they come in fairly highly owned. It's the depth matchups here that are interesting to me. You're right. Like if Mike Hoffman comes back, I think that changes a little bit because he's been playing pretty well for Montreal this year. Uh, Gallagher, I'm pretty sure is going to be out. Um, I think he's going to be out for at least another week. So don't have to worry about him just yet, but it's because Slefkovsky and Dvorak, have just absolutely awful numbers together this year. They're up near 100 minutes at 5 on 5. 1.4 expected goals for 3.1 against. They're getting just absolutely ran over. So I, I honestly, I can't believe I'm saying this. I don't mind even dipping down to like a two-man of like Saad and Shen. Like if you don't want to go to a, a, a what might be a chalky-ish St. Louis. Oh yeah, I said it. A chalky-ish St. Louis top line. Um, Sad and Shen haven't really played terribly together this year, up around 55 minutes, two and a half expected goals for 2.7 against. Um, I think that's perfectly fine to go to, especially like you said, with Shen being relied upon heavily over 19 minutes in his last five games. I, I don't mind like a two man of, of Sad and Shen. Montreal depth, we'll see if they bring in Hoffman. As always, like uh, uh, Josh Anderson went off is fine, or, you know, you know. I wouldn't even say Joel Armia, basically just Josh Anderson. But I think it's Montreal one, St. Louis one, definitely both in play. I don't mind, you know, a two-man from St. Louis two here. Yeah, I, I I actually don't, just because Shen gets top power play time as well. They love him. He's actually been shooting the puck recently more. I know he had that, like, nine, random nine-shot game. That was his first game of the season, over three shots on goal. But uh, he has been shooting the puck a little bit more. And for his price against Montreal depth, 3,800 top power play, I don't mind that at all. As we mentioned on the top of the show, we are sponsored by BetMGM. We can get, you can get two free months of Stochastic Plus Platinum and up to a $1,000 risk-free bet 
when you sign up, make a deposit, and make your first paid wager at BetMGM. Easy. You just got to make a stochastic account if you already have one. Just log in. It's free to make a stochastic account. Then you make a BetMGM account, which, you know, is easy. Deposit at least $10. Depends on your risk tolerance. Uh, minimum for the risk-free bet is $10. Max is 1000 You make your first paid bet. I have a bet for y'all. Uh, if you want to tell me on this one, over half a power play point, which means the player just has to get a power play point, plus 200. The player is Jack Eichel going up against the Kings. Uh, it's plus 200 on BetMGM. So if you want to sign up for uh, BetMGM, get that bet risk-free, then you'll get two free months of Stochastic Plus Platinum. Pretty much a no-brainer opportunity there. I also got that bet from Odd Shopper. Uh, it's really an awesome tool for all. You can shop lines. You can have a player compare tool, player prop tool. It's also free. So sign up at Odd Shopper. Get that uh, account going there is some premium stuff but most of the stuff is free most important part for this whole thing click the link in the description below uh we'll get credit help you help us we'll keep bringing you free content we all like free so let's move on to the next one seattle kraken three total heading into ottawa the senators have a 3.1 total party marty jones senor fiesta and Cam Talbot are probable. Is uh, we we haven't really seen Timmy Stutzel in news, right? Not that I've seen. He was he was at practice yesterday. Yeah, so I, I like we'll have to see. Uh, the lineup builder has him out, but uh, I know he left in the last game, but came back. he pro- like yeah. I'm he, assuming he's in. He but, was at, he was at practice yesterday. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm assuming he's in on that top line. If that's the case. I do like that top line here. Um, like, it's it's a conundrum with the the Kraken. You know, what I mean, like most of their lines have decent defensive numbers. It's just the goaltending. Um, their penalty kill is bad because of their goaltending, and the Senators are very power play reliant. So, like, I don't mind getting to a sense power play stack here. On the flip side, here we are again trying to figure out what line to stack from Seattle. I think it would be the Eberle, Burakovsky, Beneers line. Uh, They're fully correlated. They are on the power play unit that has been producing more. So I I think it would be both top lines here. Here's um, I do want to start with that Seattle penalty kill because – Yes, the goaltending has been bad. I was looking their last 18 games going back to Thanksgiving, penalty kill save percentage under 79%, which just, uh, that's really? bad. But they're also giving up a ton of shots. Like they're giving up more shots per minute on the penalty kill than Edmonton is, just to kind of give a frame of reference there. So it's that double whammy of not playing well and the goaltending's not bailing you out. So it is a tremendous spot for, you know, I shouldn't say tremendous because Seattle doesn't take a slew of penalties. This is in Arizona or something like that. But it is a really good uh, power play spot for Ottawa. Um, like I mentioned um, earlier in the show, Ottawa leading the league in power play opportunities per game. And they 
you know, they do have a very good top power play unit. And those guys have been reliant on the power play for their production because the five on five um, typically hasn't been there, especially for the top line. You know, the top line, I was looking since just the start of December, 3.7 expected goals, four per 60 minutes, 1.4 actual goals shooting under a combined 4%. Um, you know, Brady Kachuk lines typically don't have super high shooting percentages, but even 4% is a little bit ridiculous. Um, you know, Kachuk himself has 42 shots in his last 10 games. Like he's getting to the net a lot. He's just having a tough time scoring. I think Seattle goaltending could be a perfect recipe to kind of cure that. Um, I guess we'll see what happens. But that Ottawa top line has been playing exceptionally well. I Again, we don't have uh, our top stacks tool um, up and running uh, at this, you know, at this point in the morning. Um, but I imagine, I think Ottawa one comes in with a fair bit of ownership um, because, um, because of the power play match, because it is Seattle. Um, you know, they do have a 3.1 total um, at home. So, um, I, I'm with you. I do like the top line. The second line's even playing pretty well. Also, three expected goals for 2.1 against since the start of December. They're in their scoring, shooting over 11%, scoring 3.3 goals. Uh, the Brinkat and Bath <laughs> at least three and a half shots per game each over their last 10 games. Um, so I think you can even two man stack them and just leave Pinto off, like to be honest, or you can do like a power play stack of like Stutzla. Um, Batherson and Debrinkat, I think something like that is just fine as well. Like, I don't, I, you know, leaving Brady Kachuk off a stack is obviously pretty dangerous because, you know, one of these days he's going to go for two goals on nine shots or something like that, just absolutely slaughter a slate. Um, but I do think you can leave him off, um, uh, some stacks if you want and, and just make it a power play stack, save a little bit of money, um, on the wing going from Kachuk down to Debrinkat or something like that. So uh, I really do like Ottawa one. Um, I don't think like these, it's a small sample, but these iterations of the Seattle Lions haven't been that great. Like they're really riding shooting percentages, um, especially the top line, the top line, um, only 1.8 expected goals for, um, 2.2 actual goals for, it's not really that good. Um, at five on five, I, you know, I don't really have a ton of interest um, in the Seattle top lines per se, I think the interest for me would come from the Bjorkstrand, Tolan, and Gord line, which uh, feels kind of weird to say, but they have looked good um, since Tolvanen got there. They don't play a ton of minutes. Like, you know, Bjorkstrand and Tolvanen might play like 12 to 14 minutes or something like that. And that's a problem, but it's not like they're being priced highly either. Like Bjorkstrand's in the high threes, um, Tolvanen's in the high twos. Like it's not a, super expensive two-man stack um you know i think they'd honestly be preferable to some detroit depth um in, oh, yeah. in, in, in this game so i honestly if anything on the seattle side i think it might be going down to that third line and two manning some guys there but for me i think this game's all about the ottawa power play guys um i think you can mix and match um their power play stacks however you want yeah, I agree there on the Seattle third line. Uh, they're under 10,000, the full stack. Don't think you need a full stack. Em. I think you can one-off or two-man, uh, especially if you're power play stacking. Um, but yeah, Ottawa power play in a very, very good spot here. Let's move on to the main event of the evening, and this is actually the main event. I'm not 
yanking your chain. The Colorado Avalanche with a 3.2 total heading into Edmonton. The Oilers have a 3.3. Yorgiev, Skinner, probable. Uh, Avalanche top line, ridiculous projection. Um, and it's interesting because if Edmonton goes back to these lines, right, and they send out McDavid and Yamamoto against that um, Colorado top line, that's a good matchup for the Colorado top line. It also would free up Nugent Hopkins, Drysdale Hyman to go against Colorado depth, which isn't great. Again, like stacking Edmonton without McDavid just is awful. So I think you can add McDavid into that second line. We'll have to wait and see on lines. Again, like I don't think the lines really matter for Edmonton. I just think you play the power play guys and you move on. But uh, Colorado one, I think would be my preferred line in this game. Yeah, um, we'll have to see if Edmonton does change anything. One thing I did note is, um, you know, Kyler Yamamoto's not really helping McDavid on the top line. I don't think, I don't think that comes as a surprise. Yamamoto did play almost 22 minutes in that game on Thursday night, and that's without top power play time. I, it's just absolutely insane. One thing Yamamoto does with that Edmonton top line is really drag down the pace. Um, I don't think that's a big surprise to anybody, but um, the defensive numbers really aren't bad for that reason. The offensive numbers are similarly not bad, which is um, in a way bad for McDavid because if McDavid has not bad five on five numbers, then it's bad because he's supposed to be, um, you know, kind of shredding the league apart and he can't really do that with the wingers that he has. Um but the Colorado top line has been, you know, fairly good defensively um, for most of the season. There have been some laps, obviously, because these guys can play 24 or 26 minutes a game. Um, you're going to have your defensive lapses when that happens. But they have been pretty good defensively. Um, 2.3 expected goals against for 60 since uh, Thanksgiving. Obviously, McKinnon was out for a little stretch in there. So it's not a huge sample. But I don't think it's really a great matchup for that Edmonton top line. Uh, that's why I agree with you. I think uh, the Colorado top line would be my preferred side here. They are fairly expensive. Um, one thing we do need to watch for is news on Evan Rodriguez. Um, he may be back here today. If he is, he's probably back on the top power play unit over JT Comfer. Um, Comfer played about 20 minutes in the last game, so that's something um, definitely to watch. But I do like that Colorado top line for that reason. The Edmonton second line is kind of interesting here. Um, Nugent Hawkins, Dreisaitl, Hyman. Um... It's Chevy truck season. And with the Chevy Silverado, there's no such thing as an uphill battle. With the Chevy Silverado, you can take on the mountains or you can move them. Because with impressive towing capability and available 13.4-inch diagonal touchscreen and a choice of powerful engines to pick from, whatever your mountain there's a Silverado with the capability you need. Click to learn more. Find new roads at your local Chevy dealer. I misspoke about that line yesterday on the show, but um, we're not going to drag that up. Um, Nugent Hopkins, Drysaddle, Hyman don't have a huge sample, but they're up over 50 minutes together. Um, four and a half expected goals for 3.4 against. Pretty high event. I don't think that's really that surprising. Now, Colorado, oddly enough, their depth has honestly our depth up front at least has been good defensively um, for most of the season, especially the Logan O'Connor um, Cogliano duo. Um, 
we'll see. I don't think that's the matchup they're necessarily going to get, especially if Evan Rodriguez is back. But, you know, just stacking Nugent Hopkins, Dreisaitl, and Hyman and leaving McDavid off, I think is viable in this one. The problem is, is Colorado really doesn't have a good penalty kill. And I think you want to, you know, get as much of that uh, Edmonton top power play unit as you can. I do like the Edmonton power play guys, but I think this is a slate where you can leave McDavid off and just go with the second line. Um, that feels kind of dangerous, but I do think that's definitely an option, especially with McDavid playing with Yamamoto and Costin. Um, it is the Colorado top line that I like the most in this game. I'm hoping Jack Campbell starts. Maybe he doesn't. If it's Stewie Skinner, that might change things a little bit, but it is Colorado one that I really do like here. Yeah. We'll have to wait and see if Edmonton skates this morning. It would be nice to know with a little bit more clarity. If you are new to Stochastic, we can get you a five-day, five-day risk-free NHL trial. Today is Saturday, so it'll get you into some of next week, maybe through Wednesday or Thursday slate. There's going to be a big slate on Tuesday for sure. Uh, get You'll get full access to everything that we have to offer, which is important. The projections, the ownership, top stacks, tools, rankings, the Discord, which is invaluable, uh, gets you all that late breaking line change news, who's in, who's out. Um, you know, the top stacks tool is we reference that a ton on the show. The lineup builder, we reference that a ton on the show. Gets you, you know, a test drive, the whole, the whole kit and caboodle, we can even say. Uh, for NHL, you can choose to renew if you like it. And, of course, you will. So click the link in the description below. Hop in that Discord. Say I came from YouTube. I will – I don't know what I'll do. I'll send you a pic of my dog. I have four dogs. So I'll give you a picture of my dog. If you're a dog person, sign up. Don't be ridiculous. Los Angeles Kings with a 2.7 total. Heading into Vegas, the Golden Knights have a 3.3 total. Phoenix Copley, Logan Thompson confirmed. It will be interesting to see if Vegas mixes up their lines. I don't think they will, but as it stands, it's Amadio Stone, Steve, or Amadio Stevenson Stone, Riley Smith, Jack Eichel, Nick Roy, Carlson, Uncle Phil Kessel, and Paul Cotter. I like a Vegas power play stack here. Kings penalty kill is not great. Phoenix Cop Phoenix Copley has been very good though. Um, but again, I don't know. I think you could full stack that second line. Eichel Smith Roy Roy's only twenty six hundred. Riley Smith fifty three hundred. I think this is a Vegas game. I don't like stacking teams going into Vegas, especially if Logan Thompson is starting. I don't know if I have much interest in the Kings tonight. Uh, I should mention Jonathan Marcheseau may also be returning tonight for Vegas. And so that second line might be Smith, Eichel, Marcheseau, which would be kind of interesting. Um, I'd wonder who they would send out as the shutdown line as well, because um, there were times this year where they were using the Vegas second line um, as the shutdown line. Um, they used uh, Smith and Eichel against Crosby the other night. So I assume you would get Smith, Eichel, and Marcheseau out against um, the Kings' top line 
um, Kopitar, Kempe, and Byfield. I think that's a good matchup for that Eichel, Smith, and and Marcia line. And I, I also wonder how they'd run the power play unit because Michael Amadio was the guy that got the boot um, when Eichel came back. So you have Eichel and Riley Smith on the top power play unit now. If Marcia comes back, does Marcia boot Smith or does he boot Stevenson? Because I think it would be booting Smith because yeah. that's what they had earlier in the season. It would just be interesting if they boot Stevenson, and then all of a sudden Smith, Eichel, and Marcheseau is perfectly correlated on the power play. So we're definitely going to have to see if Marcheseau is back in the lineup. That's news that we'll get later today. Um, either way, both of these Vegas lines have been playing well. Amadio on the top line, 3.6 expected goals for, 2.4 uh, against. Um, they've been playing really, really well together, 4.1 actual goals. Um, Amadio was under 15 minutes in the last game, though, getting booted off the top power play unit. It's kind of concerning, especially if Marshall comes back. Like, is he going to be playing, like, 13, 14 minutes or something like that? You know what I mean? Um, Mark Stone's been shooting the puck a fair bit uh, for a while now, 54 shots over his last 20 games. So I think the top line is definitely in play here, but especially if Marshall's back, I really do like Smith, Eichel, Marshall. So we don't have a huge, we don't really have a sample for the Kings top line with Byfield there. It's only been a few games. Um, he's typically struggled earlier in his career. Um, you know, I don't know how much better he would be at this point on the top line than like Kevin Fiala or something like that. You know what I mean? So, I do think it's a pretty good matchup for Smith and Eichel. We just got to see if Marshall's back in the lineup. On the Kings side, um, I agree with you. There's just not a ton I like here. I think, if anything, it might be that Fiala Velarde two man down on the third line going up against, you know, Paul Cotter, Phil Kessel, or, you know, you know, Cole Sauer, Lecision, or whoever um, is in that bottom six. I think that's honestly where I would go on the Kings side. Um, you know, two man of you know, Fiala and Velarde, two man of Lazat um, and Velarde, something like that. Um, I don't have a ton of interest in the top six. I think this, it, for me, this is about Eichel Smith and possibly Marshall returning. Yeah, I agree. We'll have to keep an eye out for the Marshall So news, which will probably drop in like four hours at morning skate. Let's get to the last game of the night Boston Bruins with a 3.8 total heading into San Jose. The Sharks have a 2.6. Sharks are back-to-back. They are home. They were in Anaheim last night. That's like a 12-minute drive without traffic, seven-and-a-half-hour drive with traffic. Boston's top line, massive projections. So, there's so many top lines with massive projections tonight. I, I do really like the Boston top line here. They are very, very expensive, though. Uh, 23-2 on DraftKings. Like I, I'm wondering if on the shark side, if they send out Couture against pass uh, against Bergeron, because if they uh, if they send out Hurdle Meyer against Bergeron, I have no interest there. But if they send out Hurdle Meyer against like Taylor Hall, Krejci, and Pavel Zaka, I have interest in going back to the Sharks here. Yeah, it, and it's tough because they've been using uh, weird lot. They haven't had a ton of home games in very recent memory. And before that, they were using uh, some pretty weird line combinations. So exactly how 
Um, how this is all going to shake out is kind of still up in the air. And, you know, San Jose doesn't really like super hard match at home anyways. It's typically you'll just see the top six against the top six. So I think the Sharks top line is definitely going to get some run against Boston too, no matter what. It's just, it's a pretty brutal matchup. Um, You know, if if we get news that maybe Swayman is starting, um, that's something else that could definitely uh, move me in the Sharks' direction, especially with the number of penalties Boston takes. Boston is one of the most penalized teams in the league. I think they're up to like the sixth or seventh most penalties per game, like up in the Edmonton territory. So, you know, San Jose 1 does have a little bit of appeal here. Um, San Jose 1, I mean Hurdle, uh, Meyer, and LeBanc. They do have a little bit of appeal here, but... Um, you know, Boston has a great penalty kill. They're probably going to see a fair bit of the Berger online. I just don't think I'm going to be in super, super highly on San Jose, uh, unless we get word that Swayman's in net. Um, on the Boston side, you know, the top line is obviously in play. Um, got cheaper, 23200 on DraftKings. That's, it, that's doable. Um, you don't have to, like, super punt every single position um, on your roster um, if you do play them. Um, you know, the San Jose penalty kill, their goaltending has really fallen apart lately. All, all those guys are perfectly correlated on the top power play unit. You know, if you really do want to save some money, I think you could sub out like Marchand for Taylor Hall or something like that. Cause Hall is expected on the top power play, but um, I, it, it is really Boston one that I like in this game. No interest in Boston two. You know, maybe Boston three, because if the, you know, if Boston does get out to like a three nothing lead, you'll probably see that third line play a lot more. I think that's exactly what happened in their last game. Actually, the third line actually played like 16 or 17 minutes or something like that. So like a two man of like Coyle and Frederick or something like that, I think is perfectly fine against the San Jose depth. Um, but it's the Boston top line. I think pop line slash power play. I think I want to include Taylor Hall in that conversation that I really, really do like in this matchup. Yep. I agree. And then coming up right after us at the top of the hour, the NBA strategy show at 10 a.m. with Terry and Adam. Uh, So if you're looking for the NBA strategy show, stick around at the top of the hour for them. Very good show there. Uh, Let's talk defensemen. You mentioned in Discord this morning that there are not many options for punt defensemen. And there really aren't. I wrote down a whole bunch of defensemen on my sheet here, and there's only two, or excuse me, three under 3K that I would probably play. The first one, I'll, I'll let you talk about like what you want to, obviously, but I, the three that I have circled here, Jamie Alexiak at 2,900 for Seattle. Kulak for Edmonton at 2,700. I think, you know, his minutes, he's been playing like 18, 19 minutes. I think that's fine at 2,700. And then Brandon Carlo at 2,800. If you want to get a, a little bit more expensive, I think Artem Zub at 3K is fine. Matt Roy, even for the Kings at 3,200. And Nick Haig for uh, for Vegas at 3,600. Yeah, like? one thing I'll say about Haig is Alec Martinez was back at practice yesterday. So if he's back in the lineup, that could kind of nuke Haig's um, ice time a little bit. Just something to watch for. Um, at morning skate. The other chief guy I'll add, I'll add is uh, Jordan Harris from Montreal. Um, over 20 minutes in each of his last three games. You know, it's a home matchup against a team that's pretty depleted. I, I think he's reasonable if you need a cheap punt. 
Uh, the mid-price guys I like, Hampus Lindholm, obviously from Boston, running their power play unit. Darnell Nurse, I'll always play him and when he's in that high fours, low fives range on DraftKings. And Philip Ronick, like I said, I think he might be a sneaky play here with how bad um, Toronto's penalty kill really, not awful, but certainly a big downgrade over the last you know, 15, 20 games or so. The guys that I would pay up for are Kale McCarr uh, and Thomas Shabbat. In that, real quick, um, I'll mention Cam Talbot. I do like him at home for Ottawa here tonight at a good price. Phoenix Copley, man, um, he's on the road. He's cheap. He's playing for a good team. Um, you know, Vegas could be a pretty tough uh, matchup, obviously, but I don't mind him. If you need an expensive home goalie, I think it's Stuart Skinner that I would go to as long as he gets a start. Yeah, if also if you're spending up, <coughs> if Linus Olmark is the guy, I don't mind him. If you know more of a cash play there, but who are you liking for your hat trick pick? Uh, for my hat trick pick, um, I'm gonna go. It's not quite spice, but I I'm, I'm trying to follow in your footsteps a little bit here, uh, and I'm gonna say Taylor Hall. Wow, that was my guy too. <laughs> oh, okay, that is just weird. Six goal night for Taylor Hall. Um, confirmed. Yeah, I'm not going to go super spicy, but I will keep it a bit spicy. I'll go Riley Smith. Oh, I like it. Hopefully Vegas can get us there here tonight. Yes. Uh, so for Slim Cliffy, I am Josh Harris. I think, I don't know when we're back. It could be Monday. It could be Tuesday. I don't know. But we'll be back early next week. Um, make sure to click those links in the description. Smash that like button. Stick around for the NBA strategy show coming up in a minute here. Good luck, everybody. Good luck, everyone. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.